<laughs> yeah, I don't think we have a bigger chair for me to move. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, are you enjoying the cooler weathers? Yes. yes. It's incredible. 70 is what it is in heaven. 70s. Never 80s. The hotter you get, the, the closer to the other place. 70s, yeah, is, is where, where we are. Welcome with the new baby. Yeah, very beautiful. Let's give them a hand. Yeah. Absolutely adorable. Um, <clears throat> how many of you, when you were a kid, watched the 60s Adam West Batman? The 60s Adam West Batman? Good. How many of you, when you are adults, watched the 60s Adam West Batman? Yeah, almost the same people. Yep. So <clears throat> back, back when uh, Aurora was growing up, um, we would watch those. I, I got them on DVD. Um, I did not realize that they were pirated, but they were pirated. They came from England, and so I don't know. They were pirated, but we had them on disc. And we were watching it one time, and uh, the end of the show had Robin being eaten by a huge clam, a huge clam. I don't know if you remember that episode, but it's a huge clam. The clam looks fake as all get out. I mean, it, it doesn't even look real, the clam does. But we got finished with that, with that show, and my daughter was almost in tears. She was worried about Robin. She was worried about him being eaten by that clam. And instead of, you know, waiting for the same bat time, same bat channel the next day to watch the next one, we had to watch the next one in the DVD set because she had to make sure that Robin was okay because she was that concerned about Robin. And so we, we watched it and she was fine because when your daughter cries, she, you've got to do something about that, you know, at, at that particular moment. Now, when I was a kid, <clears throat> my, my mother kept three girls after school and during the summertime. And they would come, get off the bus, and I was just, a, a, you know, I was four or five, some, somewhere in there. And so every year at January 27th, because that's when my birthday is, they would have a birthday party for me. And yeah, that's right. And I, would, and I would be so excited about that birthday party and um, they would ask me, what would I want for my birthday? And my response was, I wanted the Batmobile. Now, you might not have remembered this, but they had a Batmobile that had pedals in it, and it was metal. Like, and you could get in it, and you could drive it. It was the Adam West Batmobile, and I always wanted that Batmobile, Right? And so I would ask them, and every birthday I would be so excited because I thought I was going to be, I would be getting that Batmobile, and I would never got it. Absolutely never got that Batmobile. I went to counseling <laughs> to work through the emotional pain of not getting that. I'm just kidding, I didn't go to counseling. But I never got that. And see, if I had gotten that Batmobile, and it had been mine, it would have been kept in pristine condition. I would have washed it. I would have kept it inside. It would have been absolutely perfect. And we could have sold it today and built a building here. So them not giving me what I asked for has hindered the movement of God. 
is, is what has happened. <laughs> With that in mind, I want you to turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14 this morning. And we're starting a series on prayer. This is the first one. So John, John chapter 14 is, is where we're at. John 14. And we'll begin reading with verse 12. And this is what it says. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me. Okay, so let's stop there. That's me. Can I have a little more light in the room? That's me. And I think it's most of you, if not all of you. If you have believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is a verse of scripture to you. It's to me, it's to you. So truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Wow, Jesus, I'm gonna do the works that Christ does. And then it says, and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. I'm leaving, and when I leave, you will do greater works than me. So you and I, who have believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, have the opportunity to do greater works than Jesus did when he was here on the planet. I know, right? Because you read that verse and you think, is that really true? Is, Is there really greater works than what Jesus did? I mean, he did a lot of miracles. He taught a lot of people. Yes, whoever believes in him will do greater works than Jesus Christ. The greatest work that you and I do is we lead people to Jesus and they are saved. It's the greatest work that we do. And it's a bunch of us. Jesus was just one, I know he was God, don't throw things at me. He was one person in one location. You and I are many people Many representatives of Jesus sitting in this room, and we, you and I, have the opportunity to do greater works than what Jesus did while he was here. Is that not encouraging? Now, let me pause here a moment to say, he didn't say that you are greater than Jesus. He said you will do greater works than I do, and it's Jesus working through you, actually, in doing those works. That is an amazing, amazing truth. Then it's verse 13. Verse 13 says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Whatever you ask, I will do. And then 13, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This has to do with prayer. If I ask anything of God, He will do it. And my first question is, really? Really? How is that played out? And so I jotted down. I jotted down some questions that came up as a result of these verses. Just just first questions that that come to my mind as I started studying. And here are a couple of these questions. Do you really believe that? That if you ask anything of Jesus, it will be accomplished. Let me give you one. Do you have faith that prayer can heal your broken marriage? Do you have faith that prayer can heal your broken marriage? Next, do you have faith 
that prayer can heal your broken heart? Can prayer heal your broken heart? Here's another one I wrote down. Do you really believe that prayer is always, always the answer? Do you really believe that prayer is always the answer? So why is it that some of the prayers that we have prayed have not been answered? Because I've prayed a lot of prayers that seems to not have been answered. I've prayed some that have. But I've prayed prayers that haven't been answered. But there's still prayers that haven't been answered. And if this says anything, I can ask him anything and he will do it. What in the world does that mean? And so the next question that comes to my mind is, well, this is obviously true, so do I have boundaries on my prayer life? Is there stuff that prevents me from asking for the big ticket items? I mean, is there boundaries on my prayer life? Do I spend, do you spend more time doubting than you do believing? Do you spend more time worrying than you do praying? Would you pray for something impossible, for something big? I believe everybody in this room would pray for something impossible and something big. I believe that that's inside of you to do that. It's inside of me to do that. Would you pray for parking spots? Would you pray for parking spots? Yeah. So would, do you pray for friends that have cancer? Yeah, of course we do. Some of them have been healed of that cancer, and some of them have it. So how does that work? If anything, I ask you, how does these three verses, these two verses work in the scheme of things? Do you really believe that if you prayed for prayer in Africa, oh, not prayer, if you prayed for rain in Africa today, that it would rain there? That there is a strong possibility that if you prayed for it and asked for it, that God would send rain in Africa in a specific location. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? See, the struggle is, sometimes we pray things and we say, this will happen because I prayed. We take that step of faith and we say, I prayed it so it will happen. And then we struggle when it doesn't. Because sometimes it doesn't happen. So what in the world, what in the world is going on with verses 13 and 14? Let me show you a picture. <clears throat> Something I found this week. <laughs> I love the creative part of this. Do not text and mow <laughs> is what they're trying to say, I think. The guy's texting, running over his thing. Yeah, text and mow. The guy in the, in the little cart in the back, that is absolutely, absolutely hilarious. I guess they have spare parts now, though. Yeah, okay, thank you. Thanks, thank you. That's a Nicole joke. All right, so let's think, let's think a few moments. I want to talk about the devil. The devil wants to limit or stop you from praying. The devil wants to limit or stop you from praying. That's what he wants to do. He wants to stop you. And um, he... <clears throat> 
is not scared of a Christian who doesn't pray. You can come to church, and he's fine with that. You can go to work, he's fine with that. You can read your Bible and not pray, and he's perfectly fine with that. The moment that he gets concerned is when you begin to pray. The old gospel preacher would say, the devil trembles when the smallest of the saints hits their knees. Because whereas the devil can stop you from praying, or he can limit your prayers, he cannot stop a prayer of a saint of God in getting to heaven. Your cell phone may not work in here, but your prayers will. And Satan will not stop them. So any prayer you pray, he cannot stop God from hearing them. In fact, it's pretty an amazing thing, this whole prayer thing, and him not being able to stop it. Doesn't have the power to do it. Check this out in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. It says, And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and, a, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. That's me. <clears throat> I pray a prayer, my prayer gets to heaven, and it's placed in a bowl. It is the most extensive data center ever created. And it never goes down. How many of you have had computers that went down like at the moment that you typed something very important, it's gone? Yeah, you didn't back it up, right? It's just gone. In fact, sometimes, I think backing it up, <clears throat> sometimes people are just trying to play a joke on people because it really doesn't back up. Like the thing that you need doesn't back up, but the things you don't need backed up. I think that's a work of Satan as well, okay? <clears throat> but when you send a prayer to God, God keeps that prayer in a bowl. He keeps the prayers. It's in a data center. And it's before him in heaven. And Satan cannot stop that. You say a prayer, it gets to him, and God hears it. Period. So there's no debate whether or not God hears your prayers. But Satan can't stop that from happening. But what he can do is he can try to limit your prayers. Now, how many of you have ever <clears throat> looked at these? Um, sorry, I got something in my throat. Uh, looked at these tiny houses. Tiny houses? Has anybody ever thought of living in one? You have? You have? Wow. Where would you put Chad? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the kids are here, but Chad's out. Yeah. Chad's got his own tiny house to the side. Yeah, good. Yeah, the tiny houses. I, I've, I've seen these. I personally could not live in one of these. At, at some point, claustrophobia and the amount of stuff that I have to put in one I, I just couldn't. I just couldn't do it. It, it would just be kind of, kind of um, tight. How many of you have thought about getting one for your children? She said. A she said. Wow. A she. A she. I can't even say that fast. So you get one of these. You put it beside. You know, it, it's just not something. It's not something you can do. Here's what Satan wants to do. If he can limit your prayer. He can make you live in a tiny house instead of the mansion that God has offered to you. 
I believe with all my heart that Satan has attacked Christians and made their prayer life so small that they're living in tiny houses, missing the blessings of God that they could have through prayer. And he's got them limited to about 150 square feet when they have a mansion to live in. We so underestimate the power of prayer and what it can actually do. And this is the way that we should live in regards to prayer. And we should not allow Satan to limit our prayer. So how does he limit? Well, he has a slogan. Trust the lies, not the truth. That's his slogan. It's been his slogan from the beginning of time. It's his slogan now for your prayer life. Trust the lies, not the truth. And here's some lies that he tells you to limit you from praying. Here's one of them. God doesn't want to hear from you anymore. God doesn't want to hear from you anymore. This often happens with people that have gotten away from church. They've gotten away from God. They've quit reading their Bible. They, they've quit praying and they, and they get out and they just think, I can't go back to church because I haven't lived the life. I've been sinful. I, I just am so sinful. God doesn't want to listen to me anymore. I am just that bad. He doesn't want to listen to me. But I'm here to tell you that is a lie. The moment that you realize that you should be communicating with God is the moment that God the Father is like, yes, please pray to me. I want to help you out. That's the moment he wants to do, do that. Um, Aurora is, is up there in living the life, Liberty University, Lynchburg, Virginia. She's up there living the life. She doesn't call me. She's up there living the life, and she doesn't really call me unless she needs something. Okay? Now, I have a special ring on my phone for Aurora and for Quinn and for Nicole <clears throat> that gets through even when I have my phone on silent or whatever. They have a special ring. I will tell you that currently, if I hear Aurora's ring, I run and bust through a bunch of stuff to get to my phone so that I can answer it, so that I can see what she needs. I'm not stupid enough to think that she's going to talk about her life to me. I know she needs something. There's something happening. She's going on. I do that. I don't even do that for Nicole. Nicole has a special ring. I've talked to her a couple of times during the day. If it rings, I walk toward the phone to get it. And, and that's, just, that's just how that rolls. I mean, I love her. And if she was to leave me, I would buy a tiny house and live beside her. You know, I, I just want you to know I'm committed that way. But I mean, I, I, I live. If, if Quinn calls me, I'm a little faster trying to get to it, but, but not as fast as it is with Aurora. I, as a father, am waiting for her to call and communicate with me, even if it's a need. And your father in heaven is waiting for you to pray to him. And if you are away from him, he's just sitting up in heaven on the edge of his seat, literally waiting for you to cry out to him so that he can come in and he can help you with something. He is waiting on you. So do not believe the lie that Satan wants to tell you to say, uh, he doesn't want to listen to you anymore. I'm here to tell you, he does. And he values that prayer so much He's going to keep it in a bowl 
for eternity. I don't even have the pictures that my daughter colored and I put on the refrigerator. God has every single prayer that I've ever prayed because it's that valuable to him. It's an amazing thought. Here's another lie. You have no right to speak to God. Well, you do. Jesus Christ paid for you to have that right. You can boldly approach the throne, so you do have a right to, to speak to God. And then the next one is that prayer really doesn't do, does, it doesn't do much. It doesn't accomplish what you, what you want it to accomplish. Well, that is a lie as well. But you know, <clears throat> the devil isn't the only one <laughs> that tries to limit your prayer. Y- you and I have a tendency to limit our own prayers. Right? You and I have a tendency to limit our own prayers. We limit our prayers when we are distracted. We're distracted. We get to be distracted by Facebook, TV, busyness of life, what's going on here, what's going on there, all the stuff that we have to do, we have to accomplish. We get, we get so involved, we get so distracted, we go this way, this way, this way, and before too long, we are not praying. And to be honest with you, that's on us. That's not the devil. Sometimes we are our own worst enemy. And when we don't take time to pray, we're distracted. We're distracted over here, over there, here, there, everywhere. We're just absolutely distracted. Squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. Have you ever been praying and you got distracted while you're praying? Like, I have prayed before and been praying, and all of a sudden, I'm cleaning out the dishwasher. Why am I cleaning out the dishwasher? I was just sitting down, having a conversation with God, and something made me start cleaning out the dishwasher, and before too, too long, I'm wondering why this stinking glad container will not fit into this drawer. When we pulled it out, okay, right? Nobody else has glad containers. You put them in the drawer, but you, sometimes they just don't go in the drawer. So I've been throwing them away. I'm just kidding. I haven't been throwing them away. This is a moment I can have a little fun with her. Yeah, I've not been throwing them away. I've been recycling them. (laughs) But yeah, you get so distracted. You get so distracted. And so what you have to do in those moments is you have to stop what you're doing and go back and sit down and pray that God will help you focus back on him. Sometimes we limit ourselves. You and I limit ourselves in our prayer time when we sin. The first way that we do it is when we sin and we don't confess that sin. That is a wall between us and God, and God does not listen to our prayer if we have not confessed our sins. That's why in any prayer, yes, you start with praise, but you also say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for what I did against you. Please forgive me. And he does forgive you. The other way we limit it, though, is these sins that we do over and over again that we feel guilty about. Do you have those? Okay, so yours is lying. (laughs) hate to call you out, but you need to pray about that. Okay, so yeah, we all have these sins that we do over and over again. And what happens is we do these sins and we spend so much time trying to reconnect emotionally with God. We're so sorry we did it again. We, We don't wanna do this again and we do battle about this particular sin. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but it limits us from praying about other things, other things that are bigger than that because we're trying to say I'm sorry, and you know, to be honest, if you say you're sorry, 
He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness immediately. It's really your guilt that you are really trying to work through at that particular moment. So sometimes that limits, we limit ourselves because of that guilt. And then, for some people, not everybody, there's the fact that we think is a fact that prayers don't seem to always work for us. And so because of that, it limits us. So what is our job in praying? Well, look at John chapter 14, verse 13. It says, whatever you ask, okay? Verse 14, just in case you missed it. If you ask anything, our job is to ask. Our job is to pray. Our job is to talk to God about what's on our heart and talk to him in a relational way. Our job is to create the prayers. What if you were just supposed to pray and let God diet? Sorry, that's wrong. What if you were just supposed to pray and let God tide? Sorry about that. Next one. That's wrong. Let's go to the next one. Okay, no, no, yeah. What if you were supposed to pray and let God edit that prayer and then answer it? Ah, ah. Sometimes we use the words that we think we should use and we're not using the right words, but we don't know that we're not using the right words. And the most amazing thing in heaven is this. One of the most amazing things is that we have the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ interpreting our prayers for God the Father. So if we pray something wrong or something stupid, have you ever prayed a stupid prayer? I have. I thought it, I thought it was brilliant at the time, but lo and behold, that was a stupid thing to pray. Why did I pray for that? Like, for instance, if you're praying for cats, (laughs) they're of the devil. Listen, I don't like dogs, but I think you should pray for your dog. At least your dog's happy at all times. I mean, if you don't believe that, put your dog in the trunk for a little while and then open it up and he'll be happy to see you. If you put your wife in the trunk for a little while, she will be happy to see you. Oh, come on, that's good. I'm not putting my wife in a truck. She's way too strong for me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they're always happy. So you can, play, you can pray for it. But some, some of our prayers are just dumb. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray them. Because the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ is interpreting the prayers for God the Father. They are up there being our representatives. And they know what to tell God the Father, and God the Father will answer those prayers. So our prayers are interpreted that way. So that's, that's what it is. You see, prayer is a roadway for the work of God in this world. Prayer is a roadway for the work of God in this world. 
I don't completely understand why God has chosen to do this. Because honestly, God could come on his own and do whatever he wanted to do without us asking for it. He could do it on his own. He knows what we need. He knows what the world needs. He could do a better job at it. But he has chosen for his people to ask him and then he will work. We ask him and then he moves. We ask him and then he gets down to business. Now, some of us, some of us, at times, put down dirt roads for God to work on. Very small, very bumpy dirt roads for him to work on. That's when we're limiting our prayers. Sometimes we have paved a road, a two-lane road, for God to work on. Sometimes we put bicycle... No, I'm just kidding. We have bicyclists. You never... Okay, I thought that was funny. Yep. Anyway, a two-lane road. Sometimes it's a two-lane road, and that's what we have. But sometimes it's an interstate highway, and God wants us to pray interstate highway sorts of prayers. Isn't it at the beginning of this sermon that we said that God said, Jesus actually said that we would do greater works than he would do? Well, that is through prayer. It's through prayer. And so he wants us to pray big, God-sized prayers, and he will come in and work. That's how he has it designed. You pray, he works. You pray, he works. You pray, he works. Ask anything in my name. <clears throat> Turn to your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. We'll begin reading with verse five. I think sometimes we limit the effectiveness of our praying because we are not praying specifically enough. And chapter 11, verse five says, and he said to them of Luke, which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. <clears throat> I tell you that he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence. Mine has another word that I'm not able to pronounce today that I was able to pronounce yesterday, and I'm just going to say persistence. He will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened for you. For everyone who asks received, and the one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Here's a promise in this particular text. If you have a need, you can go to your heavenly Father and ask for him to provide for that need, and he will provide for that need hands down. This is not a promise for wants. 
It's not a promise for wants. It's a promise for needs. If you need food, he'll supply it. If you need to pay this electric bill, he'll supply that need. God, if you ask him, will supply your needs. He might not do it in the way that you want him to do it. He might do it differently, but he always provides for your needs. So you ask and he moves and he provides for you. So Philip, how in the world does that work in John chapter 14? Well, let's, <clears throat> let's go back there. 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I want you to notice that twice in my name is underscored in those two verses. Out west, a long time ago, I guess before all of us was born, they used to have a system that is very similar to the system that they used in Jesus' day when he spoke these words. And here's the system. Um, a landowner would, of course, have land, and they would plant corn, have cows, have things on it. Let's, let's just pick somebody. Let's say that Brian Myers has land out west, <clears throat> and he has all this land, and he's farming it. And he has workers working for it. Well, in town, at the local store where they got their seed and they got everything that they needed for the land, um, sometimes Brian wouldn't be able to make it because there was some piece of equipment to work on or something else happening and he had to be there. But he would send his workers to the store to pick up whatever they needed. Now, the store owner knew Brian Myers. He knew that Brian um, was doing corn and green beans and cows. And so he already knew that that was his kind of niche. And so when the workers would come in and they would put things to put on Brian's tab, there was a running tab, the owner of the store would look and say, um, yes, we will, these corn seeds work, but that bag of candy doesn't. Because the store owner would know the business that Brian had and he would think through it, and according to Brian's mission, his business mission, he would select the things that were brought to him to put on Brian's tab in order to charge him for, and anything out of the ordinary that wasn't a part of that mission was denied. No, you can't get that candy. That candy can't be for Brian. He, he doesn't like candy, but we will put this on his tab, and so the candy or whatever it was 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 taken to the side. This is the same way it works in prayer. You see, God has a mission. And this passage of scripture is about his mission. Anything we ask in Jesus' name, he will give us for his glory, for his mission. And anything outside of those parameters, he will not grant. Let me give you an example. If we were to pray right now for God to move in our midst and agree corporately to do this, for him to save people and for us to have baptisms in the future, that is a prayer request that God the Father would be up in heaven to saying, hey, that fits the mission. I'm going to answer that prayer. I'm going to answer it. Now, you and I have to do some things, you know, some work for that, but that is a, he's, yes, of course, we're going to, I'm going to do that. And then lo and behold, somebody walks up to you on a Wednesday night and they say, oh, my daughter received Christ. Can we baptize her? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Let me meet with her and we'll, 
we'll see how that goes. Are you tracking? So anything within the mission. If I was to pray for God to give me Magnum P.I.'s Ferrari because I want to reach the people in Bermuda Run for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I also would keep it in pristine condition and would take it to car shows and then witness to the people in the car shows and see them come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, as, as their Savior, God the Father in heaven would say, yeah, you prayed that in Jesus' name, but we're not going to do the, the Magnum P.I. Ferrari. Do you understand? So anything in my name has to do any, with anything to do with God's mission. God's mission. So let's go back. In fact, I, I just have to use this illustration. I just have to use it. One of my favorite people that, have ever been, that has ever been to this church, and I know that pastors are not supposed to have favorites, but it's, that is unrealistic. Okay? It's unreal. I love everybody, but this guy would make number one a favorite person, and that was John Sunderman. And John Sunderman um, was diagnosed with cancer, and John Sunderman came to me, and he said, I prayed for God to heal me, and I believe that he is going to heal me because I have asked for it. I said, John, I will pray that prayer with you because what we're really asking is for John Sunderman to be cured of cancer and continue to be with us. Is everybody tracking? That's what we are actually praying. So John Sunderman really believed that that was going to happen. He was going to be healed and still be with us. So that prayer went to heaven, and God the Father looked at it, and he said, this is the mission. However, you will be more effective in the mission of Almighty God if you keep the cancer and just represent me with faith. So John Sunderman was never cured of cancer until he passed away and went to heaven. But I'm here to tell you that John Sunderman, in the mission of Almighty God, was used in a mighty way to show people how to, with faith, handle adversity and handle negative situations in their life and live through it, holding on to Jesus' hand the entire way. It was strong. Everywhere John went, he was a witness to the gospel, to the faithfulness of God. And I am still talking about him today because God the Father was in heaven and he said, look, this is the most effective way that you can fit the mission. I will heal you, but this is the best effective way and that is what he placed into motion. Because sometimes... God knows that our horizons will be broadened and expanded if we continue with the struggle. And if we don't continue with the struggle, the horizons that could have been huge would become very small. I remember his, his funeral. It has to be the most worshipful funeral I have ever done in my ministry. Everybody 
was worshiping Jesus. Everybody was involved in that. This place was loud with praise and it was absolutely incredible. And it was all for the glory of God. It fit the mission. Another example. There are people that have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for their marriage. They have prayed for it and prayed for it. And there are some of those people where the man has prayed and the woman has prayed and God has answered and brought them uh, through to the other side with a stronger, more God-honoring marriage. That has happened. But in our midst, we do have people that have prayed and prayed and prayed for their spouse to come home and they haven't come home. It takes, I believe, both people praying that prayer. And so one spouse is just still running from God, still running from God, still running from God. And up in heaven, God is saying, I, I respect freedom of choice. So until they choose to come back to me, we're going to park this over here. But what I am going to do for the mission is I am going to strengthen you, I'm going to comfort you, and I'm going to make you an example for other marriages so that other marriages will not split like yours has. And that has happened. There's a lady in our church. I've never seen anybody like her. Never seen anybody like her that has remained faithful to Jesus has prayed every day that her husband will come home. He has not come home, but as a result of her light and her faithfulness, there are several marriages in this church that stayed together because they saw her faithfulness and her dedicated to, dedication to the Lord. Is it the way that we want it? No. We want this marriage back together. But is it the way that we want it? Yes, because God used it in his mission to save other people from making a mistake. Are are you tracking? And God is up in heaven. You prayed in Jesus' name. We're not able to do this, but here is what we are going to be able to do. You will not live in a tiny home. You will live in a mansion and your life will be amazingly effective and impactful to other people and they will be changed because of your faithfulness in this moment of suffering. Anything you ask in Jesus' name, God the Father says, okay, so how can we work this out for the mission? There's a couple of things I'm praying for the church. I'm praying for the 16 acres that's on the back of this property um, that one day this church will have it. I may see it in my lifetime. I may not see it in my lifetime, but it's to expand the kingdom of God. I'm also praying that people will be saved. This is, I usually pray this, but I've been really intensifying prayer that people will be saved and we'll see some people baptized. I miss baptisms. I do. And I, and we, like, I just scared to death of water, but... I want to see baptism happen. I want to see people, people receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. So you're praying for that. So God's up in heaven, and he's saying, yeah, that fits the mission, and he's already starting to make that happen in our midst. It's not because Philip Brand prayed it. Well, it is. I prayed it, but it's because that fits his mission. So anything that you pray concerning his mission, he's going to say, yes, we will do that. He might alter it a little bit, Right? 
He might not give you the Ferrari as an evangelistic tool. <laughs> but he will give you what you need because it's about his kingdom. It's about his honor. And it's about his glory. So every Sunday, every Sunday, I turn on my oven. It's nine minutes, 57 seconds for it to warm up so I can put the cinnamon rolls in. I go downstairs and I ask God to speak through me every Sunday morning. And as messed up as my mind is sometimes when I'm up here, he has always been faithful. Always been faithful. Because that is according to his mission. When you teach in the preschool classes and you're scrounging to get that <clears throat> craft done so that you can do it in here and you're wondering what in the world to say, stop a moment. Don't get distracted by all that. Stop a moment and say, Lord, use me today to reach these little hearts for you when people are in the children's worship, when they're, when they're teaching over there, when they're teaching in youth, whatever they're doing in this church, whatever you do, if you're going to volunteer for, for our chickens to, to go and do a trunk, you pray that God will use that moment to expand this kingdom. And he always, always, always answers that prayer in the affirmative, always, because it's according to his mission. And that is when your life counts for more than post on Facebook, what you watch on YouTube. It counts more than anything else you can do, cutting grass, building a house, whatever. It counts for more. It counts for something eternal. Because once you say that prayer, not only does God move, he never forgets that prayer that you prayed. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Do not underestimate the power a prayer. It is a privilege, a privilege to have it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the stage you've given us. We thank you for this lesson on prayer. We, look, we, we're thankful that we are able to be a part of your mission in a mighty way. We know that we are not greater than Jesus. We know that. But what we do know is if we're faithful to you, you will use us ministry-wise in a greater way than even when he was here. One of the greatest things that we're able to be a part of is leading people to you. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing miracle. It's an amazing transformation. Just help us do that. Help us see you work in that way. We want you to save people and please bring people our way that we can give the gospel to and invest in. Father, I pray for the people in this room that as they go home, that they will be committed to pray to you this week. And whereas I know you don't mind us praying for a parking space that Walmart, you're, you're fine with that. I pray that our prayers will even go a little bit further than that and will be prayers about your mission and how we can be involved. And I pray that from those prayers, you'll show us in a very significant way, and I know you will, how we can accomplish something for you as you work through us. So we ask all these things, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
let me tell you another limitation. And I struggle with this one. Sometimes people just don't know what to say when they pray. You have that problem? Like sometimes I do this prayer, and I'm like, that was the dumbest, non-congruent, non-logical thing I've ever done in my entire life. I mean, I think that myself. But it's not really the goal is to have some type of nice prayer that sounds good, that is all together. That's not the point. The point is that from your heart, you put to words what is coming through and you tell that to your heavenly father and then he takes care of the rest. So don't let your words limit your prayer time. Say whatever's on your mind and God will take care of the rest. Let's stand and sing.